Playfield and Associates is based in Sydney on the traditional lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to Gadigal elders and to traditional custodians of country throughout Australia. From Claire Field and Associates, I'm Claire, and I'm pleased that you could join me for this episode of What Now, What Next? Insights into Australia's tertiary education sector. Episode 106, and apologies, this is landing in your podcast feed a little later than intended because one of my other guests I had scheduled to speak um, has been a bit sick, so we've had to rejig the, the planned schedule. Anyway, much more importantly, in this episode, I was very pleased to be joined by Geoffrey Larea, the National Compliance Manager for the Scouts Association in Australia for their registered training organisation um, or uh, for international uh, listeners, their training provider. And if you don't know Geoffrey and haven't thought much about Scouts, other than they teach you, you know, helpful outdoor skills, tying knots, lighting fires safely, etc., let me tell you that Jeffrey is at the forefront of thinking about skills recognition for non-formal learning in Australia. And I learned during our interview that Scouts here in Australia have been running a registered training organisation or formal vocational education provider for almost 30 years. As you'll hear from Jeffrey, all learning matters and there are some frameworks being introduced into the sector at the moment, which will go a long way to making that statement a reality in Australia. For me, this was a really interesting conversation, a long time in the making, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Here's Geoffrey. Well, it is my very, very great pleasure to welcome as my current guest on this episode of the podcast, someone who I'm ashamed to say invited quite some time ago and then other people kind of got in the way and I finally got him on the show. And it is entirely my fault that you haven't heard from him before. And my guest this week is Jeffrey Lorraire who is the National Compliance Manager at Scouts Australia and also he wears a couple of hats, quite a busy man. In a voluntary capacity, he is also the principal of their RTO. So, Jeffrey, it has taken too long to get you here, especially when you're a regular listener to the podcast, but it is fantastic and thank you very much for making time. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I, uh, I certainly appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Now, as you would know, I always start by asking my guests to share a bit about who they are, their career to date, and their current role. So fill us in. Who are you and what do you do? Who am I? I'll, I'll start with the, the basics. My husband and uh, father of two daughters who both uh, moved out of home and from the uh, fact that we're in an education podcast, one's recently finished a uh, honours uh, degree and the other is doing a carpentry apprenticeship. So very, very different spaces in education for both of them, but that is great. So, but yes, beyond that, my career, I began in outdoor education. 
and a bit of retail in outdoor stores to supplement the outdoor education work. But quite a long time, in so about 12 years, directly in outdoor education, and then went on to university to do an adult education degree at that point before moving into vocational education and training full-time. And then I did move out of education for a while, 12 months, did a consulting role. And as an, at the end of that 12 months, there was a lot of deep thinking about what I really wanted to do. And I wanted to be in leadership in tertiary education. That sector certainly is, is something I know well. And got involved in quite early on during those outdoor ed years because I got involved in the development of the first outdoor training package. So, so then I joined uh, Scouts Australia in their RTO almost eight years ago, a couple of days away, and it will be eight years, which was a nice combination of the outdoor ed years and the vocational education and training years. So. Bringing Absolutely, yes, we're drawing all of those threads together and congratulations on nearly eight years and definitely eight when it, it, when it goes out and lands in people's podcast feeds. Now, you touched on in that description of your career that Scouts is an RTO and I guess some people might think, mm, don't you teach people outdoor education? Does it really need to, to be an RTO? Can, can you talk to us about why it's important that Scouts is an RTO? Yes, certainly. There's, there's two reasons, Claire. And so I'm going to go with the, I guess, the community expectation reason first. Uh, the community expectation reason for some of the things that our adult members get fed outcomes for, there are training-related units, TAE-related <laughs> units. So our volunteer trainers, our volunteer assessors certainly try some TAE units, and that's to meet not only community expectations but standards. There's also things like working in child-safe environment. And <laughs> There's a, a good reason why we have our adult members completing things in that space. Also, adventurous activities, canoeing and abseiling. The more uh, risky the trips, the higher the expectation from the community that people are appropriately qualified. So there is a risk management component of the RTO, but it is certainly not the only or even primary reason. So, and I guess here it's worth stating that Scouts have had an RTO since 1996, which it's not exactly a, a new thing. It's been around for a while. The, but the other thing is the purpose of Scouting. And I'll just highlight the purpose of the Scout movement is to contribute to the education of young people in achieving their full physical, intellectual, emotional, social and spiritual potentials as individuals, as responsible citizens and as members of their local, national and international communities. Now, regardless of where they fit in scouting, that's the purpose of scouting, contribute to their education, but so they can then fit into their communities. Well, how do we translate all that non-formal education so that they can easily fit into their community, so that they can take their learning and get advanced standing in university or get credit into vet courses? How do they get that recognised and employers recognise their learning? 
Well, we do this translation that elsewhere we call recognition of prior learning. And turn that non-formal education, that learning they've had from getting out and doing Mm -hmm. into formal qualifications. In saying that, it might not be large for some RTOs, but for the last 20 years on average, there's been 1,500 vet outcomes a year issued to members. Wow. That's more than, again, from position of, you know, being an outside very long time ago. I think I told you this when we first met that I went to, you know, brownies, learned how to pack suitcases for men when they went traveling. That's how long ago it was. When your (laughs) husband went away, you needed to be able to pack his suitcase. This is what I remember. I'm scarred by it. Anyway, from this position of entire ignorance about modern day scouting and these things, this is fantastic. And and how thoughtful for what those young people are are going to need as they go into their future, either academic learning careers or or into um, a job. Yes. So it helps a lot. And clearly with all your travel, Claire, that uh, suitcase packing (laughs) has... uh... You made it the (laughs) very good training. (laughs) And my my friends who tease me because I only ever take hand luggage will say, yes, it was excellent training. And Mrs. Flexman... Thank you very much for it. There you go. <laughs> now, sorry, I jumped in there. Was there more that you wanted to talk about before I leap into the to the next question? Look, I think that's the important part of why Scouts are an RTO. It mm-hmm. does. It, and so, yes, the youth members are getting outcomes, but there's also adult volunteers who are getting outcomes just from what they're doing. And some of the great stories from both youth and adult volunteers are how they've got promotions or got a job or got something from doing their their qualification through their volunteering. And they don't pay for a qualification as as a member of Scouting, which is another significant thing. But all right, they don't pay dollars. As a volunteer, they put plenty of time in. They're giving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it's that reciprocal. So they're giving to the association and it's giving in terms of the skills that help them both do their job better, but also give them future and other opportunities, which is a lovely, yeah, lovely way to to think about it. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Now, you've talked about the work that scouts do in terms of developing skills in in younger people, and I love that, to help them fit into their and contribute to their communities. Now, before the end of last year, I think it was, you were off to two very important conferences in Europe, very jealous, which were both in their own way focused on how we recognise learning, but they were quite different. So can you share with listeners what the conferences were and what the key takeaways were for you from them? Yes, certainly. I was lucky. I was very lucky to get to do two conferences with only two days between them. So first in Paris and then in Vienna. But the first one was the World Organization of Scout Movements, their Education Congress. Three days, uh, almost 500 people from 90-something countries, volunteer organizations, so a lot of volunteers with the idealism of volunteering, but with that focus of that world education concept of scouting. And the drawcard of scouting also meant that we had 
a range of speakers from UNESCO, from OECD, from so other international organisations uh, contributed a lot to that, which was fantastic. The second conference was a lot smaller. It was in Vienna. It was also three days. It was hosted by the Open Recognition Alliance, had about 60 attendees, and a lot more focus towards uh, the attendees were a lot more people from higher education, obviously from a much smaller group of countries as well. They were very different in the people attending, but they were very similar in that there was a strong focus on how we recognise learning. So the advantage to me was that having those two very different audiences and two very different ways of engaging, but talking about very similar, if not the same content, was getting very different perspectives in such a short space of time. Oh, yeah. was able to give a lot of learning. So in saying that, uh, they both conferences had a strong theme of all learning matters. So if we're recognising learning, we've got to pay attention to the fact that all learning matters. But the other, the other significant trend that became obvious to me throughout was that I now, just in reflecting and even preparing for, for this podcast, I was doing a little bit of reflecting on it. And I can relate it back to that Scout purpose, particularly with the local, national and international communities. So one of the things that came out of both was that learning and the subsequent recognition of learning is typically embedded locally in our local communities with local scout groups, with local schools and other education providers, with local employers, most of which in the different countries around the world is aligned to national industry standards, national qualification frameworks, other national standards. But as an international community, educators working to improve recognition of learning so that all learning does matter. Mm -hmm. It was a really significant piece in that internationally we are all talking the same thing. But how it is implemented locally depends a lot on the nation state. Sure. And of the, course. the policies and standards that are in, in place. How so, interesting. Yeah. yeah. And a real contrast between, like you say, that international youth-focused scouting movement versus a group of higher education, committed expert educators thinking about it, same issues in a, in a really different context. What a fabulous experience to, to be able to so quickly go between the two and have that kind of melting pot of, of ideas coming together. I was very lucky and, uh, yes, have certainly taken a lot from it but yeah, of course. now I need to participate in more things like this podcast to share with others absolutely and hence the purpose of the podcast is the the sharing of ideas so my on my final question kind of goes to using what you've learned and all of your experience over the years short courses versus full qualifications, formal and informal learning, and critically, the importance of skills recognition. Where do you think the vet sector in Australia should be heading in this regard? It's vet sector, but it's also beyond vet sector yep, as well. Of course. Uh, but does it go? 
I actually think that, in a sense, we're looking at opportunity to Trojan horse the all learning matters. Mm-hmm. And why I say that is because we've had policies, not only in Australia, but internationally for a long time around recognising learning. I would argue that we don't do it well. Just because we have policies doesn't mean it's done well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so things like the National Micro-Credentials Framework, mm-hmm. which, as we know, they're also not just here in Australia, but micro-credential frameworks have occurred elsewhere around the world as well, uh, are a bit more open to the non-formal, unaccredited mm-hmm. short courses and other outcomes. And so... We have an opportunity to use the existing policies, the existing frameworks, and actually make them work together Mm -hmm. to actually make that recognition learning work. Mm -hmm. So it's the Trojan horse isn't bringing anything new in this sense. Mm. It's actually packaging it all up. Okay. Can you tease that out a bit for me? Yeah. To give a couple of examples, and I'll go to the scout examples. Yes, please. We have... We have adult training because we need to build volunteers up quickly with knowledge and skills to lead and support youth Mm -hmm. in a volunteer capacity. It is a very defined curriculum (laughs) and delivered in a very clear and succinct way to get them up to speed. Now, in doing that, there are very clear outcomes. Now, we have been mapping for many years to qualifications. The training required to be a scout leader does not equal a qualification, mm-hmm. but it goes a long way towards. Mm-hmm. So we know what the gaps are. So we can say to people, well, you've done your training to be a volunteer leader. If you want a qualification, here's the gaps. Mm-hmm. Here's the additional evidence we will require yes. for you to get that qualification. Mm-hmm. If you look at the micro-credential framework, that fits that. It is assessed, it is less than a full qualification, it is clearly defined, and so we're able to then use that as a Mm -hmm, mm micro-credential, which provides credit uh, into a formal qualification. Got it. I know you've got another example, so I just want to check that I've properly understood that. So the National Micro-Credentials Framework could allow you to package up that learning that you need for your volunteer leaders into a micro-credential which is known and understood and then there's the gaps for the extra training that they'd need for a full qualification rather than having to do this person by person each time that they step into this and it's all less systematised, not necessarily in how, in terms of how you do it, but in terms of how it kind of interacts with the rest of the vet sector. Is that what I'm sort of... Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. You've nailed that perfectly, Claire. The, the other example mm. is something that is less systematised, mm-hmm. as you described there, and that is our youth program. Mm-hmm. So it is a defined youth program, but it is open-ended. It's open-ended to allow for local interests, personal interests, but it has clear criteria around the amount of activities they lead or assist in or participate in. It has some very clear criteria, but it's still very open-ended in what they can do to achieve the outcomes. (laughs) So using as an example the the peak awards in the 
the different age ranges. So the Ventura Scouts are 14 to 18-year-olds and their peak awards, when they've done that four years, three and a half to four years of scouting in that section, if they've got, if they've followed the youth program to the level of peak award, most of them have about 95% of the evidence towards the certificate three qualification. Mm -hmm. This is where I say, though, it's less systematized because it depends on their personal focus as to which certificate that evidence is aligning to. Sure. We have some who are very outdoor focused, others who are very creative. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it does depend on the individual Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as to what they've chosen along the way. But regardless of what they've chosen along the way, they've got a lot of evidence towards a full certificate of three. And it's a very minor gap we're usually addressing at the end there. That is less systemized, but it is still quite quite usable to be able to make that work for them. So again, those peak awards could be considered a micro-credential. We've been doing this for a long time. We just haven't had a micro-credential framework. To to slot it into, give it the formal substance, right? You've done all the underpinning work. This gives some formal structure and substance to it so it's readily understood and readily communicated within the broader sector. Again, you're talking about local versus national frameworks earlier and it makes the adjustment, not the adjustment, the the gap for the individual uh, young person to do some extra study if they want to, to gain that full qualification. I got that's it. That's correct. Yes, and, and as a translation piece, that's really important because we talk about recognition and how, and I've said that I believe we do it poorly. Now, You mean across the, the sector and I across think rather the than... Sector, right, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I agree. I, I yes. think we just needed to clarify the we part there. Not the, not the scouts, the whole sector yes, is the whole not sector, very good sorry. at this. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Now, in, in saying that, that peak award for Ventura Scouts, we ourselves, Girl Guides and Duke of Ed, did a survey mm. about two years ago uh, of the universities that recognise our peak awards. Mm-hmm. It is about half of the Australian universities recognise our peak awards mm-hmm. to, as a bonus towards sure. entry. Oh, yeah. Now, all of them claim to, and I will argue in some cases don't do it well, all of them claim to because they have to understand it to recognise Certificate 3 qualifications. Formal, yes, exactly. So that translation piece from a peak award to a Certificate 3 qualification says that all universities will recognise yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. Well, and all TAFEs and other VET providers. Oh, well, um, Right. Exactly. Yes, Yes. of course. Yes. So all that learning that does matter when we translate it in the RTO via RPL Mm. to give them a formal qualification, then their learning is recognised. Yeah, how lovely. How lovely. Excellent. So so in other words, I think then your your advice really for the sector is keep on this path and continue to try and think through and work through ways to make that micro-credentials framework work. Yes, that is. Make that work. And I would say I've I've stepped out of a meeting I'm having today for the podcast and it is actually about a framework of recognition. That's what we're that's what we're addressing. And 
Before I go into any more information on that, I will highlight that one of our colleagues, education colleagues, Deb Carr, who's currently working overseas on mm. recognition projects, has looked at this framework that I'm mm -hmm. discussing today and said, but it doesn't really address all the informal learning mm -hmm. and the undocumented learning and skills. And I totally agree with her. Mm. But if we use the micro-credential framework and we use recognition frameworks to get things that could be considered micro-credentials, mm -hmm. non-formal, unaccredited short courses and training that we've been running for years in different mm -hmm. sectors, professional development and industry bodies and organisations like Scouts, we can make that recognition of prior learning easier. Yep. Now, if we make that piece of the RPL pro side easier, then the extra bit that relates to the informal learning is also there's, we can then have our RPL assessors who deal with that undocumented informal learning. And it's made their job a bit easier because we've been able to recognise the, the other pieces that could be considered mm -hmm. micro-credentials. Mm -hmm. So use the micro-credentials framework, mm -hmm. use a recognition framework. Now I say, Hey, we're working on one, but yes. I wouldn't say it's ready. Watch but this space. Working on it today, yes. so watch yes. this space. <laughs> and use things like that to make that, that piece of the RPL easier. Got it. Then the more open, informal space, uh, we can then have our specialist assessors working on that. Sounds brilliant, and I can't wait to see where you and, and others involved get to with that national recognition framework when it is released we might have to get you and one or two others who've been involved in it to come on the podcast and and have a bit of a, a chat about it but I am going to go away from this discussion both inspired but also really focused on it's a term you've used a few times all learning matters and I think that really sums up the great work that you and the scouts are doing but also all of those people who are involved in trying to give greater recognition to informal learning alongside the, the formal learning that we all do. Yes, Brilliant. Jeffrey. Yes. I'm keeping you from very important meetings and discussions. Um, thank you so much for taking this time. It's been an absolute pleasure learning more from you and can't wait to see where, where things go. Thank you for the time. I uh, very much appreciate what you do, Claire. Oh, bless you. All, all, all the very best. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>